Amen. Praise God and welcome to a cold rainy Sunday. In fact, I'm still wondering whether we are still in the spring season. Um, I'm not. I'm not seeing the sun like I want to see it. Amen. Well, I've been missing a while because I had to make a quick trip to Ghana to go and visit family. And I thank God for traveling mercies. Amen. He's brought me back safe and sound. Most importantly to us, I want to thank God for your lives. I didn't hear anything, any bad news, uh, anything worrying. So I give God praise for that. Amen. Like we said, we are just thanking God for his faithfulness. His faithfulness is the real reason why we are all kept in one piece. Amen. Uh, let me acknowledge Pastor Jessica for laboring in the word. Uh, and like First Timothy 5.17 says, we should um, recommend the elders that labor in doctrine and in word. Amen. So that's what the Bible says. They deserve double honor. That's what the Bible says, First Timothy 5.17. So I want to commend her for laboring in the word and doctrine and ministering the word to you, and most importantly, rightly dividing the word and ministering by the Spirit. I really did enjoy the two installments on righteousness and the two installments on prayer. Amen. And I believe um, this Wednesday, in light of our prayer festival, she will be concluding the series on prayer. And the work of a pastor is no small feat. Whether you pastor single number, tens of people, hundreds, thousands, um, the, the burden of being a shepherd among God's people is something not to be taken lightly. So if if we are privileged to have one who, who does a job excellently, it should be noted. It should be shouted abroad. Amen. So we thank God. You will never know you have a good pastor till you meet a bad one. That's how it works. Amen. And may, may you not go through the experience of having a bad pastor before you appreciate what God has given to you. That's why God calls pastors in Ephesians chapter 4, gifts. And the Bible says he gave gifts to men. It's not talking about a package with a wrapping paper and with a bow on it. The gift is a man. He gave men to men and they came in the form of gifts and in the fivefold ministry, which one of them is a pastor. Amen. So we thank God. Um, I bring you greetings from our presiding bishop, uh, Right Reverend Dr. Point Dujenfi. I had the privilege of worshiping with our parent church or the global headquarters of uh, our church in Ghana. They're doing very well. They're doing amazing things, wonderful works. And he, he particularly sends his love and his blessings and blesses you in the name of the Lord with the peace of God in addition. Amen. So you told me to tell you that. So now let's start off with a word of prayer and let's get right into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people. We pray that your word will come forth in simplicity, yet in clarity of your speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. We thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me to John 16, verse 1 to 7. John chapter 16, verse 1 to 7. And I'm ministering under the sub-theme, Beware of Offenses. 
beware of offenses or beware of offense. Amen. Beware of offense or beware of offenses. <clears throat> Excuse me. The book of John series has been on hiatus for a period. And today we are resuming. So we are resuming with a fresh chapter, chapter 16. And uh, today's installment is part 75. So we are looking at beware of offense. Amen. We are, we are gradually crawling. We've crawled so far. We are now on our 16th chapter. We are left with five more chapters. And then the book of John is a wrap. Amen. Verse 1 to 7 I read. Follow me along attentively. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. <clears throat> Verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming. That whoever kills you will think that he offers to God service. Three, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you will remember that I told you of them. And these things that I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Five, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Verse 7, which is my last verse. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart... I will send him to you. Amen. So from this passage we've just read, I really want us to notice this word, which is very important for our discourse today. And the word is in verse 1, stumble. Stumble. Amen. Um, this word is the same as offense. And for you to gain clarity of what I just said, look at me with the Amplified Classic of verse 1, AMPC, Amplified Classic. So just listen. I have told you all these things that you should not be offended. And now it opens it in parenthesis. You know, that's the good thing about Amplified. It sheds more light on the meaning of words. That's the whole version of or the purpose of the Amplified version. So, taking on our words and falter, or because to stumble and fall away, I told you to keep you from being scandalized and repelled. So, from this verse, we don't really have a clear definition of offense, but the destructive impacts it can have on us was listed in the Amplified Classic Version. And if you look at the Amplified Classic Version, what I just read, five destructive impacts impacts happens when we are offended. One, it causes us to be taken on our words. You know, for the devil to take you captive, you, you have to be um, unvigilant. I don't know if there is a word like that. You have to lack vigilance and sobriety. The Bible says that be, be sober, be vigilant, for your devil at the adversary is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
James 4, 7, I believe. So the, the Bible of First, First Peter, is it First Peter or James? One of them, but it's there. So the whole thing that you have to get is that when a believer becomes vigilant and sober, the devil will not have you as a prey. The only time you become a prey in the hands of the enemy is when you lack sobriety and vigilance. And one of the ways to lack vigilance and sobriety as a Christian is when you are offended. When you are offended, you lose your sobriety, you lose your vigilance. And when that happens, you are taken on hours. So that's the first destructive impact of offense. The second thing that we see is that it makes us falter. Now, falter means that you become unstable, you know, and faltering in a biblical sense talks about you begin to have a lot of doubts about God and it sometimes even develops into mistrust. You know, when you see someone that has come to a place where he's experiencing lack of trust in the word of God and in God as our father, it's a secondary stage. It first started with doubts. You see, if doubts is not checked, it, it develops into mistrust. And then it leads to the third one, according to Amplified Version, causes a falling away. You see, so when you come to a place of doubting God and mistrusting as a result of faltering, the next thing is that you will fall away. You will leave the faith. And it's possible for you to receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and leave the faith. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 said it. It says, in the last days, people will depart from the faith. And one of the reasons Paul listed in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that will cause people to depart the faith is because of seducing spirits and doctrine of demons. But aside that, other things that can cause you to depart from the faith is offense or are offenses. When your offense doesn't become resolved, when you don't heal from offenses, it causes you to leave the faith. There are many people who have left the faith because they are offended. They might not even be offended at the church, but they are offended at God. God, if you love me, why did he die? God, if you love the world, why did the world have to go through corona? Some people are still answering these questions. And because of that, it has caused a searing of the mind towards God that has caused them to depart from their faith because they have not been able to come to the place where they are healed of offenses and understand who God is. Amen. Now, the fourth thing that it mentions in the Amplified Version is it keeps us scandalized. It keeps us scandalized. And that's an interesting word which I'll shed more light and the fifth thing is that it repels us from the faith. You see, you don't just fall from the faith, but now offenses now serve as a repellent against the faith. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs that a brother that is offended is more difficult to win than someone in bars. He uses something like that. The point is when offenses come to a place in the life of a believer and when the believer is not healed, it has many negative, destructive impacts. And for me, the greatest negative impact it will have 
is for you not to receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and you subject yourself to the righteousness and to the judgment of God. Amen. So now we've looked at the overall spill of what offense can do. So now here lies the question that needs to be answered. What is an offense? The Greek word of this word offense is where we get the word scandal from. Okay? So it implies a stumbling block in the way which one worship and for. So uh, uh, that's it, it talks to us about metaphorically an impediment, a stumbling block. That's why it also uses the word do not stumble. Because it talks about a stumbling block and an impediment. And a stumbling block or an impediment, we are not talking about a visible one. We are talking about something that you cannot really see. That will cause you to trip or fall. You see, so now when you put this, biblically speaking, offenses will aid in us falling into a scandal. And what's the meaning of this word scandal here? The meaning of this word scandal means to form, to fall into a web. To fall into a web where you come to a place whereby you can't really have deliverance or freedom. Amen. So in the natural sense, when you look at scandals, that's what scandal does. A scandal is like a tangled web. Once you fall into it, it becomes difficult to get yourself out. Amen. And in, in light of this, we've heard of some recent scandals like these newscasters, Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson, who have all been sacked of CNN and Fox News, respectively. We will say they have been in a scandal. Why are they in scandal? Because of an impediment. For Don Lemon, it was the impediment of allegedly him being misogynistic, right? So he tripped on that and fell. Now it's cost him his job. For Tucker Carlson, it's the impediment of his reputation and probably leaked text messages. Amen. Be, be, be careful. Be careful what you send on text. Be careful what you send on email, because these sort of things they can always be retrieved. Amen. But what I'm trying to say is that for a scandal to happen, it first has to happen because there's an impediment or a stumbling block which will cause you to trip. That's how the scandal happens. Amen. So we have to get ourselves healed from any sort of scandal or any sort of offense that believers we have. And the general effects of scandals or offenses, this is a very broad one. So I'm not just limiting it to amplify classic version. Now we are looking at offenses in a bigger spill. The if general effects is that it, it causes an enticement to sin. When you see people who are so enticed to sin, if you check the root cause, one way or another, they might have been offended. They might have been offended at something, some way, somehow, which will cause them to say that, I don't feel like I should serve God anymore. I feel like I should live like a heathen and, and, and that and that. And that is what the devil is looking for. 
One of the reasons why the devil is behind offenses is because he wants something precious. And the precious thing is not your car, it's not your iPad, it's not your smartwatch, not your mansion. The precious thing that the devil is after is your faith. When the devil decided to tempt Job with him losing all his businesses, his kids, his health, the devil was not necessarily after these things. He was after Job's faith. That was what was more precious to him. Amen. So the reason why the devil will cause offense is because he wants our faith. And one of the ways we, we lose our faith is when we continually live a life of sin. The second general effect is that it causes distrust among one another. So sometimes some people are easily mistrusting. Have you ever been in a workplace where you work with a work colleague that he's, he or she is so easily mistrusting? Sometimes don't attack them. Deal with the root cause. He or she might have been offended. And that's why it might cause a lot of distrust. Sometimes you see some married spouses that cannot make the marriage work because of mistrust. And instead of you attacking the problem of mistrust, attack the root of mistrust, which stems from offense. And sometimes the best question that you have to ask is, what are you offended on? Then why are you mistrusting? Why are you mistrusting will not get you anywhere. What are you offended about that is causing you to have mistrust? The third general effect is that it causes us to doubt God till we come to a place of unbelief. And that is what the devil wants. That is the chief aim of the devil. That's why one of his biggest weapons is offense. Because when offense lingers in our spirit and in our soul, it causes us to doubt God to the point that we come to a place of unbelief. And last, it makes us indignant. Sometimes people are just quick-tempered. They fly off the handle. They are not in a good mood. They are very aggressive. And sometimes it's because of offense. And he might not even know. He will say things like, look, me, I'm quick-tempered. I'm aggressive. No, you are not quick-tempered. You are not aggressive. Something is triggering that. And maybe you might have been offended. Amen. So now in verses 1 to 6, I want us now to critically look at the causes of offenses. So now we have looked at the definition of offense. We've looked at the destructive impacts of offense. But in verses 1 to 6, let's try and look at the causes of offense. So now when we know the causes of offense, it will now be easier for us to stay out of the causes of offense, hence making ourselves victims of offense. Amen. The first one is found in verse 1. And in verse 1, the Bible says, These things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. You see, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples that they will not be offended. So now the next question is, what are these things? These things are every conversation entailed in chapters 13 till now. You understand? That's what these things are. Because Jesus started his conversation with them from chapter 13. And from chapter 13 to now, 
everything that he has told them is called these things. And they are as follows. One, he talked to them about servant leadership. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 7. Jesus says that if you want to be a leader, you lead by serving. The world doesn't believe in that. The world believes in leading by bossing, leading by ruling, leading by manipulating, leading by intimidation. But Jesus is saying that if you want to be like me, a servant is not greater than his master. You have to lead by seven. And that was why Jesus took off all his clothes and he took a towel and he washed the feet of his disciples. He was teaching them a lesson about servant leadership. This message alone can cause you to be offended because now you will have to throw away all your leadership manuals that you have learned, all your 48 laws of power and what have you because 48 laws of power is not sacrosanct with Jesus' laws of power which has to do with leadership, which has to do with mastery. Jesus is saying that if you want to be a leader, you have to serve. And Jesus demonstrated it by washing the feet of his people. Feet washing is not supposed to be a sacrament in the church. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. The second thing that Jesus taught, which is known as these things, is that the scripture of the betrayer fulfilled. You know, Jesus said that it has to be fulfilled, that my familiar friend, who I have eaten with has lifted up his heel against me. This scripture is Psalm 41 verse 9. And that scripture was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in the life of Judas. The third thing is love. Jesus talked to them about love. John chapter 13 verse 31 to 35. He says that a new commandment I have given to you. And it's a commandment of love. That you love one another. And when you love one another, by love people will know that you are my disciples. The fourth thing is he predicted Peter's denial. John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. It, you know, Peter, Peter was like, Lord, I, I can't let you die. I'll die with you. I'll go with you. Have you heard that before? People will say that I will be with you. But <laughs> when the rubber meets the road, they are nowhere to be found. It's a human nature. And that was Peter. But Jesus knew. He says that you will deny me before the cook will crow. Three times you will. And that was in John 13, 36, 38. In John 14, verse 2 to 4, Jesus says that I'm going to prepare a place and I'll come back for you. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't tell you. Jesus is coming back for the church. He's going to prepare a place, a dwelling place, so that all of us can reign at the end of this age. The fifth thing, the sixth thing that Jesus um, taught was he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. That's John 14, 6. In John 14, verse 7 to 11, he, he said that I am God, the Father revealed. If you have seen me, you have seen God, my Father. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus talked about the greater works of the believer. He said, you, you all, all these works you will do if you follow me, and greater works than these you shall do. In John chapter 14, verse 13 to 14, he talked about the issue of prayer and answer prayers. He said, if you want to pray, pray in my name to God my Father, and my Father will answer you. So Jesus talked about the issue of prayer, how you should pray, what name you should pray with, who you should address the prayer to. And when you do that, 
of a surety, you will experience answers to prayer. Tomorrow we are praying. Believe that whatever prayer request you have, God has answered it because it is a promise set in stone that when we pray to God our Father in the name of Jesus, God answers our prayer. Number 10, John chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. Jesus talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit and he called the Holy Spirit the helper. And we have done an exegesis on that. We talked about the helper. The helper as the comforter. The helper known as the 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 um oh the standby. The helper known as the teacher. We've done all that. Now John fourteen verse nineteen to twenty four. It talks about the indwelling of the Father and the Son in us. Jesus says that you will know that the Father is in me. I am my Father, and you are in me and I in you. It was a promise for them. For now, it's a reality. Today, as I sit here, I am in Christ. Christ is in my Father, and Christ is in me. I'm experiencing that today. It's a reality. It's not a promise, but for them, it was a promise. Now, um, John 14, verse 25 to 26, Jesus now spoke about one particular ministry of the Holy Spirit, known as the teacher. The Bible says he will teach you all things. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us anything that has to do with the Bible, teaches us anything we have to do with the subject of Christ, teaches us anything that has to do with divine things. And let me step away further. The Holy Spirit also teaches us things of life. Amen. So Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as a teacher who will open up the scriptures bring illumination and show them about godly things he also talked about the gift of peace he said the peace not as the world gives peace is our inheritance peace is a gift and we dealt we dealt with that he also talked about he being the sinless lamp of god he boldly declared the prince of this world is coming and he will find nothing in me jesus was saying that i am the sinless lamp of god and I am fit to be sacrificed. Because in the Old Testament, for you to use a lamb, a goat, sheep, cow, any of them for sacrifice, it has to be without blemish and without spots. And Jesus was saying that I am that sinless lamb. That is why the prince of the world will come. He can't find that in me. And when the prince of the world, who is known as the devil, has an encounter with us, he always comes to accuse us. When we have sin. That is why as a believer, it's not good to sin. Because whenever you sin, you lose confidence whenever you have an encounter with the devil. Because he is there to accuse you and make you feel condemned. But Jesus is saying that I can't be condemned. I can't be accused because the prince of this world is coming. He will find nothing in me. And Jesus says something. He said, I lay down my life. So nobody killed Jesus. He said, I lay down my life as the sinless lamb of God. And then in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, he, he talked about him being the vine, his father being the vine dresser, we being the branches, and the issue of fruitfulness. If we ever want to come to a place of fruitfulness, we have to be connected to the vine. And not just that, we also have to yield ourselves to the duties of the vine dresser, which is our father. Amen. Then in John chapter 15, verse 9 to 17, he talks about greater love. And he was saying that greater love has no man than this, one who will lay down his life for his friends. 
And that's why Jesus looked at his disciples and he didn't call them associates. He didn't call them work colleagues. He said, I call you friends because you are in the know of the master. Greater love. Then in John chapter 15, verse 18 to 25, he talks about the world's hatred of believers. When you are a believer, don't be shocked when the world hates you. The world will hate you. And if you want the world to love you, you can't serve God well. Because your principles are not the same. And he talked about the Holy Spirit's testimony in John 15 verse 26. That it is the Holy Spirit that will testify of Christ. That's one way by which you know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always testifies of Christ. And then John 15 verse 27, it talks about the disciples now bearing witness of Christ. And when we are disciples, one sure sign that we are disciples is that we bear witness of Christ. Amen. So you see that 19 things are covered here from John chapters 13 right up to chapter 16 where he talked about these things. And he is saying that these things, it should not cause you to stumble. Now, all these things that Jesus talked about, it constitutes the word of God. The purpose of the word of God is to give us doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And when these fourfold effects of the word of God happen, it causes us to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. According to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 17. But when we don't receive the word with meekness and with the intent to obey it, we'll be offended. So even though Jesus had covered 19 crucial areas, if you don't receive this word with meekness and with the intent to obey it, it can make you offended. So the word can be a double-edged sword. For some people, the word has offended them because you didn't like the correction part and you became offended. You didn't like the rebuking part and you became offended. You didn't like the teaching part because sometimes for the word to teach you, it has to challenge your thoughts that you have held on from tradition, that you have held on since childbirth, that you have held on which is not godly. And the Bible lets us know that the word of God is the weapon which casts down imaginations and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what the word of God does. Sometimes for the word to teach you, it has to first of all cast down your imagination. And you have to receive the word with meekness for you to have that effect of doctrine. Amen. So sometimes pride has affected us receiving the word of God. And that's why Jesus could preach the word of God to the disciples. It was a blessing to them. But when he preaches it to the Pharisees, it became an offense. And Jesus is saying that the words that I have spoken to you, which is known as these things, it should not cause you to be offended or it should not cause you to stumble. The word should not be an impediment by which you trip or fall. The word should rather be a blessing to you. Amen. The second cause of offense you can find in verses 2 to 3, and it's persecution. You will be persecuted for standing for the truth. Jesus said it. Many Christians today are so gutless and so afraid of cancel culture. Today, you might not be killed like in the days of the disciples, but you might experience cancel culture. 
just because you stand in alliance with what the Bible says. Many pastors even checking out on hot button topics like homosexuality, gender fluidity, transgender issues, and the likes on their pulpits. Look, your members are listening to different viewpoints. And sometimes you need to give them the word of God. What does the word say about these issues? Not what CNN is saying, not what Fox News is saying, not what the Democrat senator is saying, not what the Republican senator is saying. What does the Bible say on these issues? And sometimes, pastors, we, we chicken out and we avoid these hot-button topics. Why? Because we are afraid of cancel culture. And that's why my favorite genre of entertainers I like are comedians. Because to be a good comedian, in my opinion, you have to be politically incorrect. And being politically incorrect means that your career could end. That's why my favorite comedian is Dave Chappelle. This is a guy who lost $50 million in the early 90s. And there is a proverb that he who has fallen is not afraid of falling. And that is why he can go loose cannon on topics that people are afraid to tread on. And he does not really care. I, I watch his comedy and sometimes I learn a lot. Forget colorful language and everything, but the content of what he's saying is so true. And sometimes I even seem to even be bolder than preachers. He discusses issues that sometimes we will not even discuss on our purpose. And even though we have the answer in the word of God, cancel culture. Cancel culture today is making many Christians like chicken. We become cowards. Persecution doesn't always happen because you did evil. But sometimes standing on God's word faithfully, the Bible says that they that live godly will suffer persecution. You don't have to be evil. You don't suffer persecution only because you are cursed. You don't suffer persecution only because you have sinned. But sometimes persecution comes because you are living godly and you are standing right by God. Now, a Christian can stand to lose his job in the workplace when they check your social media handles. You know, sometimes they fire people not because of what you did on the job, but what you promote on your social media handles. That's why sometimes it's very good to let your work colleagues know I don't have social media. Sometimes. Because for me, that is my private space. Why will you suck me when I'm trying to air my views? Are you understanding me? We should be able to live in a society where we disagree but not disrespect each other. So I might not share the same views as you. Respectfully, it shouldn't cause me to lose my job. But today, it's become so prominent that now Christians have become even so afraid to even stand up for the truth of God's word because you could lose your job. Amen. Sometimes your, your job can even suck you for, for spreading information that they'll call quote-unquote hate speech. For example, if you say that God recognizes one man, one woman as marriage, some corporate entities would like to describe that as hate speech. What a pity. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. It is even offensive today in this current template to even say Jesus is the only way because the world will want to cancel you for being close-minded. They will want to cancel you for not believing in interfaith religions and they will want to cancel you for not believing in multi-faith alliances which is ungodly, by the way, and a very major sign of the end times. Very major, if you know your Bible very well. 
the fear of political correctness is a demon. I will want to be spiritually correct than being politically correct. Because sometimes being politically correct means I will go opposite of God's words, God's virtues, and God's principles. The devil is a liar. Let every man be a liar and let God alone be true. And Jesus said something. Some people will enjoy persecuting and killing Christians thinking they are offering God a service, but they don't know God and they don't know Christ. And dare I say this, sometimes it is not even the world that will kill some Christians. It is carnal Christians, shallow Christians who have allowed worldliness to be their influence. They are the ones that will kill sound, practicing, Bible-based Christians because they see them as too extreme. I'm telling you, sometimes it's not even the world, but it's shallow Christians who have allowed worldliness and they will be the ones that will offer Christians to the slaughterhouse. Amen. Standing for God in these last days can be painful. It can be trying, yet very rewarding. Amen. So think of the reward. Think of the reward. Think of the reward. And there's a promise that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver you from it all. If you are being afflicted because of your biblical stance, if you are being afflicted because of your godly stance, I'm here to encourage you that, hold on, God will deliver you from it all. It's not over. Don't succumb. I'm not here as a minister to promote, quote-unquote, American Christianity, but Christianity of the Bible, where Christians worship God in spirit and in truth. And sometimes in doing that, you step on toes and step on the popular thought. Look, I'm prepared to lose members because I preach the word of God in truth and, in un and uncompromising with it. Let me lose members. I'll take that. But I glory and console in the hope that God is my rewarder. Like I've said in times past, don't, if you're a pastor, Try not to lose members. Don't lose members for certain things. Don't lose members because you are rude. I've seen some of the rudest people, unfortunately, who are men of gosh. Don't say it anywhere. I've seen church workers who are rude. Don't lose members because of rudeness. Don't, don't, don't lose members because maybe that the church is not designed well and you know, it doesn't make the people comfortable. And, you know, there are some things that need to be addressed. Don't lose members because of that. Don't lose members maybe because of the quality of child care. Maybe those are issues that need to be fixed. Don't, don't lose members because of that. But if you preach the word of God in uncompromising boldness, in truth, and in the integrity of God's word, and if people are prepared to walk out, let them go. Once upon a time, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has said that a servant is not greater than his master. He preached the word of God to his people that until you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not be part of me. The Bible lets us know that 5,000 people left him. And I'm, I'm prepared to follow Jesus. I will lose members if I preach the word of God. And it's offensive. That's fine. But may it not be said that you've left the church because, oh, 
Pastor Steve was rude. Pastor Steve is not caring. Pastor Steve may, 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 may be far from thee. That may be, oh, Pastor Steve is not accountable. Yeah, when you're, when you're a pastor, you have to be accountable to your congregants and you have to be accountable to God. So don't lose member because of these issues. But if someone leaves because you've preached the word of God in uncompromising boldness, in truth, and in the integrity of God's word, and the person goes, God is your reward. God will bless you. Amen. Oh God, help us to be bold, fearless, and compromising Christian and uncompromising Christians who will stand on the pure integrity of God's word. Amen. And Jesus gave a remedy that when we are persecuted and feel like giving up, we should remember. He said, remember. Remember that I've told you these things. Remember the word. When you are a Christian, when you are facing persecution, I pray that may God quicken your senses to remember that the word had already said it. When we take solace in the word and shift our disappointment from people forsaking us or trying to cancel us, we will make it. And now the third and final cause of offense is when we can't sense God or you can't sense his presence. In verses five to six, Jesus said it. He said that your hearts are filled with sorrow because you know I'm going and you are not even asking me where am I going. Sometimes a, a symptom of offense is when you are very sad. So the third cause of offense is when you don't sense God or his presence. If you are listening to me today, I don't know how long you may have been in the Christian faith. If you haven't experienced his forsaken or absence, I'm here to promise you, you will experience it. Now, sin can be one of the reasons why you might not be experiencing the presence of God. And I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about living a consecrated life, a godly life, yet you are experiencing his absence. You can feel abandoned and come to a place of forsaken. Some godly men went through this phase in their work with God. And you and I, we are not different. Elijah experienced it. First Kings chapter 19. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they experienced it. Daniel chapter 3. John the Baptist experienced it. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus even experienced it. Matthew 27 verse 40 says, He screamed out, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, which means, My Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Most of the apostles, particularly Paul. Do you know why Paul wrote Romans chapter 8 that we can quote today that who can be against me or who can be against the love of God? Can anything separate the love of God? Can death, nor height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor angels nor things in this world, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us to the love of God. Paul wrote this in his pain. And when you are forsaken. And if all these godly men would have experienced it and have experienced it, you and I will experience it. But always remember one thing. Don't be offended in God's quiet moments. Don't be offended. Possess your vessels when he is absent. Jesus gave a comforting word to the disciples in verse 9, in verse 7. He said, it is to your advantage. And in their case, Jesus was saying that I have to go. You have to fill my absence because the Holy Spirit will come. And next week, we'll look at why the Holy Spirit's ministry is necessary. Why is it necessary that Christ goes and the Holy Spirit stays? We'll look at that next week. 
But I want to encourage you that if you are feeling the absence of God, he hasn't forsaken you. It's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. Don't believe the lie of the devil that's saying he doesn't care. Because when you believe that lie, you will be offended. Many are the ways of God we don't understand. But as we keep walking with him by faith, we might understand it better by and by, as the songwriter says. But let me say something. Even if we don't understand the will, the ways of God, we will still work with God anyway. Because this is where Hebrews 11.6 rings true, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Sometimes you, you can't understand God. You just have to walk by faith and say, that, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I believe in you. Look, being in a place where you can't sense the presence of the Lord is a very frustrating thing. I speak that from experience. And if you don't take care, if you don't possess yourself well, you can backslide. You can be offended. You may want answers. Some people even want answers. Lord, it seems that you were quiet during the pandemic. Why? Some may want answers. Some pastors are upset. Lord, during the pandemic, why did my ministry close? And they may have prayed and prayed and prayed, and they still don't have an answer. But don't be offended. And don't believe the lie of the devil that the Lord doesn't care. All that I know is that Jesus said, it is to your advantage. I don't know what he's working out, but I trust in the goodness of God. I trust in the faithfulness of God that when God finishes working, it will be for my advantage and it will be for my good. Please guard against offenses. And how do you guard against offenses? By staying in the word. By staying in the word. And that is how I save heaven from the bait of scandalizo. That's the Greek word of offense. I pray that may we not come to a place where we are entrapped and we are baited by offense that will cause us to doubt the goodness, the faithfulness, and the mercies of God. So today, I just want us to pray. May God heal us from every kind of offense that is affecting our zeal and our devotion towards God and the things of God. Can you spend a moment and just pray for your hearts? Pray that may the Lord heal you. Maybe you might be offended. Pray that, Lord, heal me. I want healing from this kind of offense. I want closure. Because for all that you know is that it's affecting your zeal and your devotion towards God and the things of God. I've come as a messenger of hope to say that whatever that you are going through, maybe you might be in your quiet moments with God, but God is not upset at you. God is working things out. Allow him to work things out. Allow him to work things out. Let's pray. Pray. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise. Shabbat Antoni Madosi Kalabra Kantana Madeka. Thank you. We give you praise for today, O oh Lord. Father, I pray for healing. I pray for healing. Heal us from every offense. That person who has one foot out of the faith, one foot out, Lord, let your mercy visit that person that he will hold, he or she will hold on to the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.